Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great ESPN podcast. The Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny will get you ready for the NFL Draft as Mina is joined by her friends each episode to talk about the latest NFL storylines. That's the Mina Kimes Show featuring her dog, Lenny. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Also, thank you for watching us on YouTube. It's that time of week where we have a guest join us coming to us live from Brother From Another. Check it out on the Peacock Network. The man with the headline that makes me the jealousest, Michael Smith. What's going on? I think your hair looks quite fantastic these days. You ain't got nothing to complain about no more. Your hairline jokes have expired with me now that you have no, gone this route. No, You're no, good. no, 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 Michael. The hairline jokes expired for six weeks when they were putting that fiction in it. Uh, <laughs> it, it I, I, need, I need to crack open a bottle of Coke 45 and now be like, things are back to the way they were. Like that first time I sat down for one of these pro haircuts and Buddy didn't even ask me if I wanted the fiction. He looked at my hairline and was like, you must want some fiction. Ain't no way in the world you trying to rock out with your own actual hairline. But then once you get on TV with the fiction for the first time, you got to ride the fiction all the way out. Yeah. I mean, did you feel good about it? Did you make peace with it? Dog, I don't be caring. Like, I've been living like as I've been living for whatever it is. Like, you went home a oh, long time ago. Yeah, look, look, here's my thing. You make fun of my hairline, okay. They put the fiction in, you make fun of the fiction. All right, right? I'm here with this hair. I got to decide. Like, it was going to be a couple-week-month experiment that's now turned into a couple-year experiment. I don't know how long I'm going to keep going with it. You know, I'm going to see. But at the same time, man, yeah, no, nah, dog, they, they, they put that in there. And I ain't going to lie, man. Some of it was looking fly. Like, my barber, the, the homie Travis uh, in Plainfield, New Jersey. I got to get the name of his shop because I recommend Travis all day long. Travis bring the heat. See, I think the fiction, as you call it, was less about you and more representation of the fact that this is a first-class operation. Correct. That's exactly what it was. All of it was a come-up. The entire <laughs> operation was a come-up. They, they couldn't let my raggedy-ass hairline bring down the property <laughs> value. That's exactly <laughs> That's exactly what it was. But now we're going to talk some playoffs. We're going to talk a little bit of draft out here. And I want to ask you this, as it's Wednesday morning as we record this, you know, I've been kind of trying to, you know, recover from doing the show and everything. And I went and got uh, the booster for the booster. So your boy was a little tired last night. I watched the first half of Pelican Suns. Suns were up. I was like, okay, I know how that's going to end. I went to sleep and I woke up. And your hometown squad, it brought it. That's exactly what happened. Same thing. I did, I did not stay up for it. I literally, like you, slept on the Pelicans last night. Um, <laughs> I thought it was going to be typical Suns, especially in crunch time. They will close it out. Come to find out Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum played the role of the Suns. This Devin Booker injury is crazy, though, because, like, wouldn't it be the most Chris Paul thing ever? That somebody else gets hurt? <laughs> for an injury of some kind to somebody <laughs> to derail his playoff run against all teams his former franchise, the then Hornets, now Pelicans. Crazy. Yo, do you wind up touring on Chris Paul like I wind up touring on Chris Paul where I do actually want him to win something because I think I he's really just do. such an incredible basketball player. But I also hate him as a basketball player. 
in many ways, the whole hitting people in the nuts and just yeah. various shadiness that Chris Paul brings, but he's just so good. Yes, and he's a good dude. I like him as yes. a person, like off the court. There are some things that he does that I'm like, damn, this really goes against my agenda with you, Chris, because I can't celebrate the point guard and then defend that shit at the same time. Yes. I'm like, oh, I, I ain't seen nothing. Wait, what happened? He want to win so bad. I want him to win because I don't feel like hearing the people who try to delegitimize his greatness because he hasn't won a championship or his team hasn't won a championship. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not here for that again. Last year was a little bit of a break from it because at least he got to the finals, albeit they, of course, lost in six. But the Chris Paul, he ain't never won thing just bothers me because, like, look, he ain't the best point guard ever, but ain't nobody done it better. Yo, to me, what solidifies him as all-time great, and not that him is all-time great. I don't think that was ever really in question. However, the Suns had missed the playoffs 10 years in a row. Now, they were getting to that point, like we saw in the bubble, like they were inching toward getting into the playoffs. But they just added Chris Paul to this whole thing, and they are the best team in the West. Like, I, even with, you know, this one loss they had, I expect them to walk through the West. I don't see Do anybody you? that's got it for them. Not even Golden State? No, no. And I know it's just Denver, but. Yeah, but this is what I think is interesting about Golden State. One, if they were to, like, win the West or win a championship, mm -hmm. this core that they've had together, and I've talked about this for a while, but the core they've had together has been together for nine years. That's like, Draymond Green got there in 2012. Now, he really didn't become, like, part of the core until the first championship year. But even still, I've never heard of a team that had, although I guess the Spurs would count because they kept that thing together. But the Spurs still added Kawhi Leonard to get that last championship, right? That 2013, yeah. when they went to the finals in 13 and won it in 14, they added another guy. But sure. we're talking about basically the core they had in 2013 being the core they have in 2022. And I don't think you can win like that, like championship level. No? Like, I mean, we're just asking for too much. And I'm scared to do this because I know how people get about this. But I need to remind people, I came back last year and gave Steph Curry all the props for how he played, okay? Like, everybody, you can't say this is hating on Steph or anything. Steph Curry shooting 38% from three is not what we was talking about before. No. Like Steph, Steph Curry shooting in the mid 40s is what made Steph Curry Steph Curry. If he's shooting 38% like he did in the regular season and 42 from the floor, then that's not the level of excellence that has made them championship contenders in the past. He's not going to have to play like he did in game two because it's unfair to ask anybody to play like that all the time. But you're going to need to see that Chris Paul a lot if they go win a championship. I mean, Steph Curry. Yeah, no, I got you. I think last year, Steph Curry is what we'll see in the playoffs. Really? Versus this season, Steph Curry. And that's based on nothing but faith, I guess. Because mm -hmm. I, I hear you on what he's done this right. It was, it was, a, it was not a Steph Curry-esque regular season. But look, early in the season, when they got off to that great start, before Draymond got hurt, before Clay came back and, and found his legs, before Jordan Poole became whatever the hell Jordan Poole is right now, um, there was a lot of legitimate talk about, oh, the Warriors, when they get Klay Thompson back, could really be scary, given that last year they were great defensively. This year they had a number one defense in the league. The year was funky. Injuries, people in and out the lineup, everybody had those problems, but the Warriors specifically, it was funky. Now, I mean, look, the thing that does it for me is the Jordan Poole factor. 
You know, like I don't know that this dude is a 30 point per game score, but he's something. And you add that to what they already had with Clay, with Steph. And defensively, they're a damn good defensive team. Look, if you want to pick the Suns, I, I don't blame you for picking the Suns. I'm not arguing that the Suns aren't the smart pick out of the Western Conference. But it's just, and I, it's funny, I had this conversation the other day. When you say they going to walk through the West last night notwithstanding, that's the part I'm like, Ooh. Walk. They are mm. so much Even better. Memphis. Yeah, now Memphis looked a lot better on Tuesday. Like Memphis yeah, like I wouldn't have really said this good. after game one. I would have yeah. said this. I would have said Memphis had something for the Suns after the regular season, going into the playoffs, and now today, conveniently, but not after game one. Here's why I say walk, though. I think we really, I don't know why we're not doing this for Phoenix, but that going to the finals last year thing means something. Like they played this year like a team that went to the finals last year. You know, with that improved confidence, that sense of purpose. They came like back better. That. Yeah, that's what they did. My thing with the Warriors, again, talk about Klay Thompson. And people, I don't know why people are mad at me about this. I don't know how well Klay Thompson is playing defensively this year. Like I haven't watched them closely yeah. enough. I just know that people were betting on the idea that a dude coming off an ACL tear and an Achilles was going to continue to be that defensive guy, right? Klay Thompson has always been a very good defensive player, but he was not Kawhi Leonard. He was not Draymond Green. No, like it wasn't, no. it wasn't that level up. There's a reason why he had made no all-defense teams, right? Not because he wasn't a good defender, but there is still an echelon of playing defense that Klay Thompson, I think, was short on. But, Mike, this year, Klay Thompson, 38% from three. Yeah. Those numbers in shooting threes are pretty good. But what made them champions was those numbers being excellent. And I could be wrong here, okay? I'm willing to acknowledge this. Yeah. But when we start saying, I don't know, man, that Jordan Poole changes things, I feel like we reach it. I feel well, like we reach it. Well, I mean, he put, I, can't, I can't help that he putting up 30, albeit against the Nuggets, but I mean, 30 in the playoffs is 30 in the playoffs. I'm saying, look, okay, 38% and whatever Clay shot this season and whatever number of games he played once he came back, whatever Steph shot this season, and it's, we have, you know, as prolonged a slump as I can remember him having shooting-wise. That's over the course of an 82-game season. When you talk about in game two, dudes score 34 in 23 minutes. The fact that they're capable of going nuclear at any moment is enough for me to fear them in a series. Yeah, I'm with you. It's enough for me to believe that they could win four. They don't have to shoot 45% for 82 games. Yeah. They only got to be dangerous enough one or two of them at a time. And somehow, even, even if Clay ain't the same defensive player he once was, they still the number one defense in the league last year. They still got Wiggins and Draymond. They still play excellent team defense. The pool thing, I think, is real. I don't think this is a fluke. I think Poole was great down the stretch of the season. He was really good all season. Might have been their MVP this season, given the way everybody else was in and out. Here's my we'll, pool We'll see question. what happens with Booker. If you, put, if you put me up against the wall, I would still now, that's pick the, the Suns. I still pick the Suns. We'll see what happens with Booker. Yeah, now Booker being hurt, like, yes. That is a, another one of the Bobani Jones. If Booker's Jones. hurt, can New Orleans beat them? Let's, I don't let's think, not even get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, I don't think so, but I don't blame you for asking. I'll put yeah. it like that. And, you know, on the Bomani Jones, eat some crow all-stars, uh, there's also... <laughs> well, the thing with Devin Booker, I wasn't nearly as hard on Devin Booker as people gave me, like, the Phoenix people knocked me for being. What I said mm -hmm. was, it was right after he didn't make the all-star team. And every year Devin Booker doesn't make the all-star team, people act like it's some great like it's travesty against basketball. Yeah. And I was like, yo, he's a really good player. But at least at that time, I think it was a fair point to make. I didn't think he was a game-changing player, right? Like the idea that, oh my God, Devin Booker's not here. Like you look up and down the rest of the list, and I'm like, okay, so which one of these guys are supposed to be taking off for Devin Booker? 
I never do all-star snubs for that very reason. Yeah, but that was my point, was that. I wasn't trying to shade him or insult him, but of course, Phoenix fans who ain't had a goddamn reason to be happy in 10 years at that point, right? Like, they all pop up, and there's like, oh, apologize for what you said about Devin Booker. (laughs) Now, what he did in the playoff, this is what I do say about Devin Booker, is I don't think you want to be in a situation where Devin Booker is the best player on your team. Right? Like, he's the tricky guy where I don't think you want him to be your best player, but there aren't that many players who are better than him. I'm trying to think, Carmelo Anthony's a great example of a guy like that. Right? You probably didn't want him to be your best player, but how many people are better than Carmelo Anthony? Right? Yeah, but you yeah. put Devin Booker out there with Chris Paul, and what Devin Booker is that you need is, oh, we need a bucket right now? Give me a second. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to get us a bucket. And that dude can do that. And so for Phoenix... With, with Booker, it feels like they got four guys that you can count on if you need a bucket, right? That, okay, we can go ahead and get one in different ways. But you can feel like we got somebody who can get us a bucket. But he's the one that I feel like can get the bucket all by himself. So, okay, but by that rationale, let me see if I'm following you. So, all right, we don't know the severity of the hamstring injury yet. But let's say he's out for game three or compromised for this series. If I'm understanding you right, do you think that the Suns are more capable of withstanding a Devin Booker injury in this series or in these playoffs than a Chris Paul injury? That is a great question because it was the regular season, yes, but they look pretty good without Chris Paul. But with playoff, the thing is, I think it might be equal. Because on one level, with playoff basketball, again, who can go get us a bucket right now? Scheme ain't going to do it. The refs ain't calling nothing. All of this stuff, right? Who's going to go get us a bucket? If you don't have Devin Booker, that's a big deal. But for the other 46 minutes of the game, that Chris Paul thing matters a lot. A lot. So, I mean, I think they're kind of in equal footing right now at that point and being like, okay, you know, we need everybody we can get. If we could go get Thunder Dan to come give us some minutes <laughs> off the bench, we'll take him right. too, you know, just to be safe. Right. You think the kids know about Thunder Dan? I would hope so. I would hope we ain't that old. We are. We are old. We are old. I go to bed early, dude. They might know Dan Marley as a name, but when I say Thunder Dan, Thunder I don't Dan, think yeah. they necessarily know. Thunder Dan was like the dopest slash whitest nickname anybody ever had. Like the whole idea was just that Thunder Dan was crashing into stuff. Yeah. Now, listen, man, the Suns have been fun for a long time in their history. You said they had nothing to, to, to be happy about for 10 years, but they had some dudes back. I mean, Tom Chambers, though? Yeah. Like, I mean, they had some guys back in the day. That, not to mention the Nash in the seven seconds or less days, you know, or Barkley before that. I used to love Bar- Phoenix Barkley. As a franchise, they've had interesting phases because, as my buddy Howard Bryant always points out, they were one of the three teams in the league that every year had the most white dudes because it was Arizona. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They had to make it happen. And then, like, the Kevin Johnson, like, they traded Larry Nance and got Kevin Johnson, and they got Tom Chambers from Seattle. And then mm-hmm. that thing started building up a bit. And then they stole Charles Barkley. Yeah. Flat out yeah. stole Charles Barkley. And by the way, now that I'm older, I have a greater appreciation for what it might have meant. Like, yo, Charles Barkley does a cover of Sports Illustrated in chains and then gets traded to Phoenix. They must have really <laughs> wanted irony. to win, boy. They, they, they must have really wanted some victory, right? Yeah, so that Barkley yeah. run, which is ultimately kind of short, it goes from there. And then you give it about 10 years and we bring it around and they get Steve Nash because Mark Cuban, who makes some very interesting free agency decisions, decided he did want to pay for a fifth year of Steve Nash. 
and everything changed for Phoenix. And then that was over, and then they stunk for 10 years because their owner is garbage. Yeah. The walk thing, though, going back to that that word, what's their record since the bubble? It's like, it's oh, here we go. I got it. This is before last night. 137 and 47. Yes. Since the bubble. And by the way, keep in mind what it took for them to lose game six against Milwaukee. One of the greatest individual performances we have ever seen. It took Giannis turning into a different person. The dude was like, what, 14 for 16 or 16 for 18 from the free throw line? Mm -hmm, It mm -hmm. took him just being like, all right, boys, this one's over. Yeah, we're going home. As much as I would love to see, because I I, kind of, I'm over the play-in. I'm already over the play-in. It was a couple of good games. I love the play-in. Here's my problem with the play-in. And the results this year do not support this at all. I don't remember exactly what the final standings were, so this take may have have expired. But I don't think you should be eligible for a play-in if you finish six games back of the AC or some shit like that. There should be a cutoff to be a playing participant. I remember feeling this way when the Lakers were still in playing contention. I was like, there ain't no way in hell it should be even a possibility of them making the playoffs, being that far back of the Clippers, whatever it was at the time. But the games, certainly, they were fun. The Minnesota game was fun. You know, both Hawks games were fun. And obviously the Pelicans starting 1-12 and and making the playoffs. So there's that. I would love to see, I'm saying I would love to see the Pelicans pull off this upset. I'm just glad there's at least some intrigue in this series and then I just go walk over the Pelicans. Thank goodness for that. But I really would hate if the Suns somehow came up short. Like, I guess what I'm saying, Bo, is I'm pulling for the Suns. I, I don't agree with the, it's, it's their conference to lose. They go walk through the Western Conference and, and see Milwaukee again. But I am pulling for the Suns, not just for Chris Paul, but also as a franchise. Like, you have that kind of success over the last two years with nothing to show for it. That would really suck. See, so you know what? I, I want to make a distinction. I want to make a distinction because I think you're going to mean the same thing I'm about to say, but you'll get why I'm making this distinction. I am rooting for the team. I am not rooting for the franchise. The workforce, not management. Monty Williams on down. Or for that matter, uh, uh, James Jones on down. Let's go with James Jones on down. Yo, let me tell you something about James Jones as general manager, right? Because, you know, people swore by him and, you know, put him in that position, all this stuff, right? I didn't have any answers to how good James Jones was as general manager. You can maybe point to Chris Paul as the example of him as great general manager, but honestly, it was a great break for him that James Harden wanted Chris Paul gone, and the only place they could send him was Oklahoma City, because then he was just going to be available at the end of the year, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's drafting Cam Johnson with whatever pick they took him with and him actually being a real live NBA player. That was the one where I was like, oh, okay, you got to offer something that I don't. Cam Johnson played five, was, was a fifth-year dude because he played at Pittsburgh, transferred to North Carolina. Just basically a dude that shot threes. He just seemed like one of these guys that Roy Williams had been recruiting the last 10 years. Pretty good basketball players. Seemed like they're pretty cool dudes. Cam Johnson's a legit like contributor on this team. That dude's going to play 10, 12 years in the NBA. And that's why I looked at James Jones like, okay, you are doing something here. Right. He's yeah. more than just a connected guy. Yeah, yeah. It's more it's more than just his relationships. He, he he got the eye for it. Yeah. Yeah, but I knew it was more than relationships with him just from like people liked him. Like I understood that part, but there had to be something else there. Like to make him the general manager at that point. Like we're not talking about a dude that was some great NBA player. You know, now granted he's got rings and you know, he he him and LeBron went to however many straight NBA finals. I think it's eight straight between the two of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah. no, nah, he made that work. So I would like to see them do well. I just look at the West and I'm just like, if you want to say Golden State, maybe that's the answer. I think Memphis, they just too young. 
Dallas, I mean, if Luka's hurt, and he, even if he's not injured, he's hurt, right? Like, that's, that's not going to work. Utah, it's over, baby. That whole situation is, is just falling apart. What kind of self-fulfilling prophecy was that? Like, I mean, you go from like, yo, the, I mean, it's just it's just there for you. Like, again, no disrespect to Dallas. I mean, they, they've had a good team aside from Luka this year. But you got Luka Doncic hurt and you lose to Jalen Brunson. I got a J- good player, really good player. He going to get paid. But how you let Jalen Brunson cook you and now you're going home with your back against the wall? Albeit 1-1, you go home with your back against the wall. It's going to be real interesting to see between... Because it feels like like the vultures or, or the buzzards are, are circling with that franchise and have been. It's like between the Lakers and the Knicks, the two oh, Donovan coastal. Mitchell. Yeah, but was Donovan Mitchell or Quinn Snyder or whatever. It's like, you know, there's a lot of just noise around who wants to pick at the carcass that is the Utah Jazz once they eventually falter. I think the Donovan Mitchell-Knicks thing is probably going to have a lot more to do with Donovan Mitchell wanting to go play for the Knicks, which will be cool for a couple of months. <laughs> And then after that, they're going to be mad at him like they mad at Melo. Honeymoon going to be over. And by the way, in both Why cases. Why we had to trade all this to get you. Right. And, but in both <laughs> cases, they're going to ultimately be mad at those guys for being who they were. You know, like you get Melo. And I said this when the Knicks traded for him way back when. Like they celebrated like they got a superstar. And that's not what you got. You got Melo. And that's not an insult to Melo. But Melo was what he was. Donovan Mitchell. And I've been saying this since he walked into the league. It's not that I'm not a fan. He just is what he is. He is a volume scorer, and they are really fun to watch when they're young, and when your team isn't that good, they're great to have because they can carry you to some victories that you're probably not going to get. But when you're trying to compete at a championship level, those guys aren't really it. New York is, a, is, is quite the window shopping fan base. They love going car shopping, only to realize that uh, it depreciates with value as soon as you drive that a lot, lot, but except, lot. But except <laughs> you know they never get a car. Like, that's the thing. Melo was like the only car they got. Yeah. But even, but even Julius Randle, for that matter, I'm not saying he was in Melo's class. I'm saying, mm-hmm. you're right, the honeymoon ends very quickly with them. When, like, they, they, they want a star. They want somebody to pick them. They want, they want to upgrade from what they already got. And as soon as that person comes, it's like, oh, I just got regular old crackers. I thought it was a Ritz. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing with Julius Randle was he made the mistake of being the best player on an overachieving team. He was always Julius Randle. There was never any difference about what he was, but they had a really good season that made people feel good, and then they came back out here this year, and it didn't make them feel good. But I'm telling you, when they get a guy, I thought that Dame Lillard was going to wind up being the guy. And if you notice, Dame Lillard is starting to talk a lot more of that. I mean, I'm not going to well, ask for a trade. Right. But, but if they traded know, me, if they I would do stand it. in the way. <laughs> little, little, little Russell Wilson-esque. You know, yes. like, look, hypothetically, here are the teams <laughs> to which I would go to if Just you wanted out to there. trade me. With my no trade clause, if you wanted to trade me. You know? <laughs> yeah. After last postseason, I had a couple agents tell me this that players saw the garden and they wanted to be a part of that. Like they wanted to, you know, if you are that type and you want to be that guy and the league is full of dudes like that, it's waiting on you. And they're not demanding a championship. Like that's where I think the Knicks fans are getting a bad rap at this point. They get excited and start thinking they might win a championship. You know what I'm saying? But they're not like, we got to win a championship. They just want to be competitive and good and have an enjoyable product. And that's what they haven't had. They just want hope. They want to not have to go to these games and celebrate 72 and 73. They're, you know, they, they, they want the best players to not be the retired dudes sitting courtside. Right. That's what they're, that's right, how about they're this? looking for. 
just give them something fun to watch. Yeah. Like in the end, I think that most fan bases, right? Like, you know, everybody wants to win, but you know, the championship, look, no matter what, in any given year, some team hasn't won a championship in 30 years by definition. Like that's just how it works. People by and large want a team that's enjoyable to watch. Like if I'm going to spend two and a half hours doing this, it's got to be fun. So like I talk about this, this is a somewhat now obscure example, but I think you'll feel me. When I was living in North Carolina and this dude Herb Sendak was coaching North Carolina State, Herb had four years down and then he kind of picked it up. They were going to the tournament consistently, made a Sweet 16, and the fans didn't like it. And people were like, oh, state fans aren't happy with the results. I'm like, kind of. What they're really not happy with is watching that boring Princeton offense. You know, like when you're winning, you'll take it. But when you lose and you don't like what it looks like, and you'll get anything out of it. Like, have you ever heard a Memphis Grizzlies fan comp- complain because they didn't win a championship with Zebo, no, Tony Allen, no, and Marcus Saul? They, they had an identity. They had a culture. Yeah, absolutely. That's what people want, first and foremost. Then they give you something to root for. And if they can't get over the top, you're like, okay, man, but we had a good time along the way. Yeah, we, got, we had some memories. Yeah, and I think Knicks fans really just want something to watch. I mean, even, look, you can go back to the 90s Knicks. That's yeah. exactly what they were. Memorable, disappointing, you know, a lot of heartbreak. But as time has gone on, they look back quite fondly. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training. Just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. And spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. How do you see the East playing out? I'm just happy we get to see game two yes. of Nets-Celtics. Finally, that took too long to get to game two. Damn. I was talking to my buddy Nick about this, and Nick is like, he doesn't think that the Bucks are going to have a series that goes longer than five on the East side. And I do wonder why we don't assume they're going to win it all. Like, I think it's going to be Milwaukee-Miami in the conference finals, and I just, walking over Miami, man, you're going to have to be ready to fight. Like, they just like that's just what that's going to come down to. But I think it's those two teams. But I'm with you there on net Celtics. I had completely forgotten about the whole Kyrie Boston angle. I had totally forgotten about it until he flipped the crowd off. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. right. I forgot there's beef. That's my favorite matchup of the playoffs is Kyrie versus Boston fans. Well, first of all, and you live closer to it, you just looked up one day and the Celtics were playing better than anybody in the East. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, that's the only team – with all due respect to Jimmy Butler in Miami, because you're right, you're going to have to kill them. That's the team in the East that gives me the most pause. I guess that would be if if the Bucks are to the East with the Suns are to the West, which is an, an inevitability. Yeah. Just, we're looking at a rematch. The, just like the Warriors give me pause in the West, it would be the Celtics in the East. The, I said before the series, in game one, 
I felt good about not taking a firm stance on that series. I was like, the only thing I can't see in that series is a short Nets win. Right. I could see it going the distance with either team winning, or I could see the Celtics winning in five. Yeah. Because they're that good. And they might get Robert Williams back this series I was hearing yesterday. Yo, here's my thing. Shout out to you, Brad Stevens, for looking around and realizing, <laughs> now nah, my time is up. <laughs> right. Somebody else needs to be doing this. It's a great example of self-awareness. Yeah, right yeah. There. I've gotten this as far as I'm going to be able to get it. Because I think Brad Stevens is a great coach. But I think that there was a limit to where he was going to go with those guys at that point. Like how much they were going to listen to him, how much they were going to push past, all of that. And so they went and brought in Ime Udoka. And look, man. I'm assuming that Ime is like highly respected in the NBA. I really am. But we always talk about how it is that you got to come in and like, you know, earn credibility and respect from the team as a coach. Hey, man, you walk in the door and be like, y'all know I got kids with Nia Long. Oh, y'all didn't know I had kids with Nia Long. That's right. I got kids with Nia Long and I've been keeping that on the, like we ain't hiding it, but but it's on the low, low, baby. Right. I, I was, I was just a dude on the Lakers. You probably didn't even know I played for the Lakers and I wound up with kids with Nia Long. Whatever you say, coach, tell me more, coach. Clearly you understand something. Let me tell you something. We talk about grading hires. I ain't need to know nothing else about my man. That's all I need to know. <laughs> Like, I damn near wanted to buy Celtics season tickets just to be in the vicinity. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? With all due respect. But no, nah, man, like, he, he has done a, a masterful job. Because that's, listen, man, it's not like Stevens was a bum. It's not like they just needed, they could have kept going. They could have stayed the course and probably still been competitive. But for him to come in and be exactly what they need when they needed it and, and to flip that switch the way they did this uh, defensively, especially this, this calendar year, bro, I... I that's the one. I, I like the Bucs in the East. Don't get me wrong. But I think the Celtics could really, really push them. They needed somebody to do a very interesting dual trick. To get Tatum and Brown to play more like stars and to share more. Yeah. That's a hard thing to do at the same time. time. With two guys. And you know what he did? Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year. And defensive metrics in the advanced stuff can be kind of tricky, but they also do typically plot out pretty well to the people that we think are, you know, good defenders. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum became a all-defense caliber defensive player this year. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Look, we're not talking about, like, just in a vacuum. We ain't talking about just in a vacuum. I'm just talking about, like, this first-round matchup. Is it possible when you factor in both ends, when you factor in what he did against... The other guy. I know one dude just went for 39, and if not for, you know, a last-second buzzer beater where KD lost track of Jason Tatum, we'd be talking about how brilliant Kyrie was, which he was, even with the middle fingers, which, I, by the way, I don't have a problem with. Matter of fact, more I encourage it. <laughs> okay, I encourage the trolling. I don't encourage the middle finger. Okay. Especially not passive-aggressively. If you're going to do it, don't do it running down the floor. Stand at half court and put it up high. <laughs> Do the Brian do the Brian Cox coming out the tunnel yes, back in the day? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> You're gonna do, be a monkey yeah. be a gorilla. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I, I, in general, I'm saying I encourage giving it back to people. I just do yes. not I think it's that whole customer's always right. I love videos yeah, of employees going ape <laughs> on customers who get out of pocket. I do not buy into the idea, oh, I pay your salary, so yeah, I get to yeah, call yeah. you what I want, say what I want. I I, I knew we'd be on the same page with that, but I'm getting away from the larger point. Is Jason Tatum the best player in the series? Or at minimum, is it a fair question? I'm like two for two so far with at least they're fair questions to Okay, ask. so this is the thing for me about Durant. Kevin Durant is still Kevin Durant. 
right? Still bucket getter, extraordinaire, all of this stuff. Post Achilles, I want to say he hasn't really been the same defensive player that he was before because he had gotten to the point in Golden State of being a very good defensive player. But the problem with the Nets is these dudes play so infrequently, I don't ever really know exactly what they are. It's like they're what we remember them being, but we don't know exactly who they are. But if Jason Tatum is playing all-world offense and all-world defense, it is a fair question. Yeah, and I mean, it's like, look, if you say, is Kevin Durant a better player than Jason Tatum? Of course. In this series, though, right here, right now, yeah, the Nets have, you could argue, two and three, but I would go number one, Jason Tatum. Tatum and Brown. But I always thought the ceiling was higher on Tatum than the ceiling was on Brown. I think most of us probably felt that way, right? Both those dudes, I don't know if you could overstate. I I said recently, Anthony Edwards is the most, don't lose your thought, Anthony Edwards is the most underrated number one pick that I can remember. Just given how people talked about him coming out of Georgia. Like, oh, oh, yeah, he ain't really a star. It's like... It's like the opposite extreme. Bro, did you know, because both Tatum and Brown were third picks, right? Because remember, the Tatum pick was the trade down with Philadelphia where they took Markel Fultz, if I recall correctly. Bro, you know how many people hated both those picks? And Danny Ainge, rightfully so, has taken a lot of shit over the years in Boston before obviously he moved on. But both those dudes, there was no celebrating. In fact, it was like they were getting ripped for both those dudes. For Brown at three and Tatum at three. People in Boston, at least, in New England, hated those picks. Hated them. And to see what they become is just crazy. So it's interesting. I could have kind of seen it with Brown. I thought going into the 2017 draft, when they had number one, I think you could probably find the tweet where I said, they got to look at Tatum, right? And then they traded down and then ultimately got him. And I was skeptical of him because of the way Krzyzewski just misused him at Duke. He just didn't use him well and Jesse gave up on trying to teach those young boys to play defense. So you were going to have to teach him to play defense once he got to the NBA and it took a while, but what do you know? Like, here we are and they're there. Like, Tatum could be a superstar caliber player and I thought that he was just going to be, and this is not shade, you'll get it, like a 7-8 time all-star type of dude, but not right. necessarily not NBA type dude. Not an MVP candidate. I guess is what I'm saying. And now I can totally, I can see that with them. So the East, part of what's cool with me about the East this year, and this has got to be the best thing for the NBA. Like I just saw the ratings are way up. The first round series, that game, that game one of Brooklyn, Boston, I saw that this morning. I think it was the highest watch since like 03, 02, 03. Yeah, something crazy like that. But think about this, man. The East Coast has good basketball teams again. Like the majority of the population in this country, not the, I don't think it's the absolute majority, but a significant proportion of the population of this country lives in the Eastern time zone. Yeah. Right, period. That's just what it is. This is where the people are. There were 10 teams in the East this year that were over 500. Mm. Like after, what, 20, 25 years of mediocrity for an entire conference, the East is back in terms of, and I, I, I hate all these people that are always so worried about like the business of the NBA because it always comes across to me as concern trolling. Sure, but sure. best case scenario for the NBA, and this is really what it was in the 80s, strong teams in the big cities in the Eastern Conference and a couple of really good teams in the West, preferably the Lakers, right? Well, because I'm glad you said that about the East because it was the markets, it was Boston, it was Philadelphia, it was Chicago, Brooklyn, if you want to go back to the New York market. Yeah, Detroit back when Detroit meant something different, back when Detroit was a top 10 market. Yeah. And don't forget, Washington was pretty decent for most of the decade. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee, of course, not the biggest place, but like Milwaukee was a great team of the, you know, of those era of the era of those times. Like in terms of numbers, they got good teams where the people are again. Mm-hmm. 
which hadn't been the case. And then you go to the West. Phoenix is one of the 10 largest cities in America. I'm not sure where it is on market stuff. The Bay is a top five market, and they're back in a place of being relevant again. Dallas is huge. They're in a place of being relevant Mm -hmm. and got a superstar that people care about. Like, a few things have just bounced right now. And so, if they get these numbers, I talked about this on uh, Game Theory. It's the best thing for the NBA right now. There's no LeBron James sucking all the oxygen out the air. Oh, man. I don't It's not his fault. Like, some of it's not his fault. Some of it is. Right? Like, he has not figured out how to be elder statesman. He still wants to be the hippest dude out here. Right? And it doesn't make room like a Tom Brady has where all these younger stars have flourished while Tom Brady was getting older and still very good because Tom Brady doesn't demand that everything still be about Tom Brady. Is that him or us? Tomorrow, LeBron. It's a combination. He is clearly addicted to the attention, and it's understandable because he's had so much of it for so long. But the league decided 10 years ago all the coverage was going to be LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. It's like people looked up, and I don't blame them. They looked up in like 2009, 2010, and they're like, yo, this is what happens when we talk about LeBron. This is what happens when we talk about something else. So how about we talk about LeBron all the time? And then it got boring. Yeah. Right? And so we had a brief respite where the Warriors emerged after LeBron went to Cleveland. And then LeBron was doing stuff like taking two weeks off for vacation in the middle of the season. And it became about the Warriors. But then was LeBron got him coming back from 3-1. We was never going to disrespect LeBron like that again. Kevin Durant goes to the Warriors. Now the regular season is treated as irrelevant. A team won 73 games and didn't win a championship. And then they added one of the two best players in the NBA. What are we even here paying attention to, right? But now we got no LeBron. And I think people are going to see all these stars that are out here, all these great players. Because where, where the league is bothering me, like I think about this with my man Jokic. Like I don't know where you are on Jokic, but I'm a believer, right? Oh, hell yeah. I don't, I don't think it's a question that he's MVP. And I don't give a damn what happened in this series. But you think about this, right? I work in ESPN now. You worked here. You remember it used to be, man. Sometimes it was like, hey, this is the guy we going to talk about now. Oh, the LeBron thing that you just said. What you just said is had happened in the halls of ESPN. Like, talk about LeBron, ratings go up, 100%. Yes. But there would be a guy like Jokic. If somebody wanted Jokic to be that guy, it'd be walking in. What did Nikola Jokic do tonight, right? Like, we'd be doing this coming out of every break. Nikola Jokic, Nikola Jokic. Like, I think about back in the 90s. You remember Hideo Nomo? When Nomo's thing was cracking, it was like, yo, the people that covered sports were like, Every Nomo start was an event. Hideo Nomo, dude, come over from Japan, like all of this. It was an event. If we treated another Jokic game as an event, like Jokic and Bede, we need to be treating this like it's Elijah Wan and David Robinson, you know, or something like that. Like it is an event. And I think that's the habit that we got out of in coverage is looking at these other guys and not just appreciating and enjoying them, but treating what they did as events. Like Net Celtics. We got something that feels like an event because of the players, because of the rivalries. I'm about to say, they can find Kyrie all they want. In a twisted way, that's good for the game. Because, yes. I mean, that, 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 the anticipation for this game or just the discussion around it is fantastic. No, I'm with you. I don't miss LeBron one bit. In fact, I think we got the best of both worlds with LeBron. Because, like you said, after the, after the 3-1, he became more Teflon than maybe he already was. But... If you're going to not have LeBron, having LeBron in the midst of dysfunction is the best place to have LeBron. So you still have enough of like, what's LeBron going to do this offseason? How are they going to get rid of Westbrook? Who's going to coach the Lakers to make the Lakers relevant without being relevant to the, to the grander scheme? You know, like they're relevant enough because they're bad. Meanwhile, you're right. The spotlight is on 
and not just the stars that we knew coming in, the Tatums, the Browns, the, you know, the Bookers, the young guys. But now it's like, okay, here's Tyrese Maxey. Here's Anthony Edwards, you know, going off. Here's Jordan Poole. It couldn't be better right now. All right, so NFL Draft. I called for the abolition of the NFL Draft. I'm sure that word was not accidental. Why? Why are you, why are you abolishing the NFL Draft? First of all, I was like, guys, I don't know if we should say abolish. And they were like, no, abolish. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> okay. I was just like, get rid of the draft. I feel like it said the same thing. <laughs> Thank you for the background on that. Yeah, but no, it's weight suppression. Like, I mean, it just holds down the money for the players. That's the only purpose of it. And then what they did is make a television show so that the dorks could get out here and have something to enjoy. Oh, yeah, I knew you wouldn't be offended by it. I just need to make sure people understood you were the guy. But, 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 but. What if I propose this solution to you, Michael Smith? Like, we had a facetious one we proposed on the show, but this is a real solution. NFL signing day, okay? But if you want to keep the, like, competitive balance nonsense, give teams allocations in line with their finish. So Jacksonville would have the highest draft allocation, so forth, up and down the line, and then make these dudes go out here and sign players, and then on one big day, everybody faxes in their contracts, faxes in their letters. Puts on the hat? Yes! And you can still have all your stuff where you get to watch them dudes jump around in their draws. You still got all your magazines and everything that you can still go through. And cats now are more likely to get the money that they deserve instead of their wages being suppressed because cats like you insist upon a draft. So, listen, I enjoy the draft. I don't insist upon it. So, no surprise that you went from an economic perspective, and I respect it. And I could see that. I could see I could see that alternative as being entertaining. Whatever gets these guys to free agency quicker. I don't know if there's a way, you know, if there's, you know, maybe there's something that the next CBA where is there is there a way to instead of it being a five year contract for first round guys or four year contract for second round guys, you know, can it be three years? So I'm with you that there needs to be a better, more equitable, fairer system for the workforce. No question about it. And I could assign it. They would be cool because, I mean, if, if you have a, a, a proportionate draft allocation based on finish, in theory, no pun intended, in theory, that's not much different See? than just See? in inverse See? order of standings. Um, and, and you got to go out and recruit because, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny. I talked to Desmond Ritter the other day and I asked him this question because I was curious about it. But I was like, but unfortunately, I even said to him, unfortunately, you don't get to choose where you go. But when you're in, we know all about Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati and his resume, you know, leadership, maturity, processes, information, all that kind of stuff, competitiveness, blah, 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 got all the intangibles. I'm like, what are you asking them? What are you looking for in an employer? And it's really unfortunate because when you and I are in job interviews, you know, I know I know you as well. Like you're not at this point in your career, you're not going in just trying to like say what they want to hear and, and be the person that they want. You're like, no, I'm working with you, not for you. So what are you bringing to the table that can make me the best version of Omani Jones? So likewise, I wish the players did have a system in which the teams had to sell themselves and you didn't have to be subjected to somebody else's dysfunction because what saddened me, as much as I love the draft and I love it from a team, you know why, I mean, for those that don't know, but you know, I'm a, I'm a dork when it comes to building teams and, and, and the process of scouting and evaluating and constructing rosters. But how many people's careers have been just simply derailed because somebody called their name. The wrong team called their name. That's just sad. That's just 
legitimate. I'm not using this word loosely. It is sad to me. That's real. How many situations have you been in? Have I been in? Have anybody in any walk of life been in where it's like your circumstances prevent you from being the best version of yourself that you can be? Yeah, that's real talk. All these people that we call bus, well, where did they go? Who coached them? What did they have around them? Is it their fault? Or somebody that's great? Well, he was lucky that he was drafted later by a better team. <laughs> you know what I mean? So even these quarterbacks coming out this year. So all the talk about Malik Willis from Liberty and, and, and how he's got this upside, but you know, he may not be ready right away, blah, blah, blah. If he goes to freaking Matt Rule in Carolina, or even Justin Fields last year, already on coach number two, as opposed to if Desmond Ritter goes to Pittsburgh, does that mean that Desmond Ritter was always destined to be better than, Matt, than, uh, than Malik Willis? I would reimagine the draft happily, and I would happily be a member of your committee to examine the reexamination of the NFL draft, because I still get my, but it's fair for the players, which I'm all for. There we go. Michael Smith's a convert. I want you to carry the word, and I want the people to check you out on Brother From Another. Check them out on the Peacock Network. Friend of the program, Vinny Goodwill, is a frequent guest on the Brother From Another with Michael Would Smith. Would you ever come Michael, on? I got time now, baby, so we can okay. make that work. I didn't want to impose. You know oh, what I mean? I mean come on you know. now. I ain't, I ain't <laughs> having nobody on my show that I wouldn't go on theirs. That's a general rule. Uh, you hey, know? Okay, well, as the kids say, say less than. I was yeah. like, well, Bomani, come on, my little show. Yeah. Yeah, right, okay. I'll let you boy. Right, cool. I'll let you boy, no man. Long overdue. Long I appreciate overdue. you, man. It ain't. By the way, for our right time listeners, you know, on Mondays we do a voicemail question, and somebody suggested that we mention what the voicemail question is on the podcast. Great idea. This week it is a horrible accidental typographical error that you made in a text message or an email after I accidentally was trying to say though to end the sentence with Don Staley, and instead of saying <laughs> comma though. But nobody actually thought you meant that, right? They knew it was, they knew it was a typo. I'm not sure, to be honest. <laughs> I had one friend who did not hit me with, hey, man, I think you made a mistake. He hit me with, why you say that? <laughs> like, and I, I was like, what do you think of me? Why would you ever say that? Like, right, he was like, bro, I thought y'all was just mad familiar. Incorrect, sir. Incorrect. Even if I am familiar. <laughs> yeah, man. So anyway, y'all check that good. out. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. We do this three times a week, Gabe Bassane and Adi Khan handling things behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Remember, follow The Right Time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to thank you, our hater. Thanks for watching us on YouTube, and we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.